Uh, in your hands, like Anna says, our Connect Group books. Very proud to announce that our Connect Group vision uh, started six months ago as a way for people to gather in communities around the Word of God, uh, to be studying and to be known by others and to know others. And we launched about 10 groups in the fall, and we have over 20 groups this winter, and they're open now. Uh, you can go to our website, you click a Connect Group page, you can register, you can register with the group leader. The hope is that there's something for everyone. There's things for men, women, for families, for people in neighborhoods. Um, this is what it is to be the church. So this is in your hand. All this information is also online. And then like Anna said, but I'm just going to point it out again, this is a Dates Remember bookmark. Uh, we want you to hold on to this. This is everything the church is going to be about for the next six months until the end of August, just so you have a picture of where we're going together and how we get there. And then lastly, these are the notebooks that we have every week on the wings of the church. These are free. They are for you. They are meant to be a marker in your journey of things from the scriptures that stand out to you, things you're hearing in a message, things that you're being reminded of. Uh, bring these, tuck these in your Bible. You lose it, grab another one. They're here every single week uh, on the sides and they are for you. Uh, just a moment, I'll pray and we'll begin. Uh, today we're going to be looking at uh, the Texas First Corinthians. We're going to have a little bit of just what is, what is the plan for this church for this year? And then like we just saw, we'll be beginning next week, pastor to be teaching to all the campuses about the Better Body series, about what it looks like to be a healthy body of Christ. Uh, we bow your heads and pray with me now. Father God, thank you so much for some moments to pray and pause and reflect uh, for many of us, it's been a, a full and beautiful last couple of weeks. Uh, for those of us, we're coming out of places of, of disappointment or disillusionment, being with family or friends. Maybe it went differently than we expected. We, we gather today, Father, as your people, uh, as your body, as your bride, um, and we pray that you would reveal yourself in the teaching of your scriptures, that you would open us up, that we become more fully aligned with your plan for us. In your great and heavenly name we pray. Amen. Our, uh, our message is titled today, The Road Ahead. And as I mentioned, our text is going to be 1 Corinthians 12, a very familiar text. We preach through 1 Corinthians in the summer. This is about the gifts. Yeah, many of us have, have heard these texts before. I'd encourage you to have your Bibles open. We'll be looking at the majority of 1 Corinthians 12. As we think about the road ahead, I was, I was thinking about a moment in, uh, in my own life in the last year where uh, our family took a road trip. We borrowed uh, an RV from friends from church, and uh, we set out on a trip around America. And we had expectations of where we were going to go. We had expectations about you know, what it was going to be like to, you know, to swim in the Great Lakes, to visit Washington, D.C., to see family in Maine. We had, we had all these, these plans of where we were going to go. Uh, but one of the things that I was realizing is you know, a family of six in an RV driving around the country is the difference uh, between how I was planning it to go and how it's really going to go. And in this way, the most significant. Um, we've told stories, I've told stories about the road trip and such, but there was a moment, there was a moment as we were heading east, and um, this is the road before me. This is coming out of the Colorado foothills, heading towards Kansas. We had, we had started the trip, we were, you know, we had spent time in the north rim of the Grand Canyon, we've already had beautiful sights, we had some disappointments, we had fights, we had laughter, we had all this going on, and I get up early in, in you know, the late May morning, the family's still asleep in the RV, and I'm, I'm, heading, I'm heading east, 
and the road is before me, and I'm, I'm so excited about all that I'm going to do, and as it goes from like the black, because I left super early until the dawn is slowly rising, and, and we're in eastern Colorado, I, I'm just mindful of the fact that before I can get to any of the destinations of what I'm excited about, I have to pause and reflect on where I've been. What am I talking about? Well, I, I had been in this season where we had all these disappointments around, around some challenges with a, with a family business and some things that were going to happen, and, and my mind was wrapped around uh, the joy of the journey and, and the finality of the destination. Like I mentioned, we'll swim in the Great Lakes, we'll, we'll tour the, the monuments of D.C., you know. I wanted to, to arrive at these places, but in these hours of driving, staring at the open road, uh, I needed to remember some of what God had been doing in my past. And the, the road was silent, and I was listening to some podcasts and some sermons and some worship music, and, and then I just needed to take the earbuds out and just pause and reflect, because before I could get to where I was going, personally, I needed to take stock of some of the stuff that God was doing in my own heart, in my own disappointments, and my excitements, and some of the lessons that God wanted me to learn. Because in the end, it wasn't going to be about three weeks of locations. It was going to be the process of the journey. That's what God was showing me that morning in Colorado as I was heading east. I just, I kept wanting to kind of think about the final places we would be. And God's saying, I'm not done yet showing you who you're becoming. We've got some lessons here for you, Scott. And so I paused and reflected and prayed. And I really think learned, learned a lot through that season. What's the point? Today, we're looking at the text of 1 Corinthians. We're looking at both the history and trajectory of Bethany Community Church and some of what this campus in our sixth year together, some of the stuff we want to do. Okay, lots of great stuff going on. God is on the move. We had, you know, on December 20th, it was like, gosh, that's interesting. There's more people here than ever before in five and a half years. Uh, and Christmas Eve, we'd never done two services. We have two wonderful worship services. If you're like, gosh, maybe next year we'll add a third. We get wider, we get bigger, but do we go deeper? What is God's plan for us as his community? It's the road ahead, but it's not about the destination, what will somewhere be. It's God forming us. And we've talked about this before. We had an annual meeting in, in November, and, and we're going to be talking a lot about the Bible, so just rest assured, if you're like, I'm just visiting this morning, I don't want to hear all about Bethany North, but we are going to pause and reflect and talk about some specific goals for this campus, because God is really on the move. And one of the big goals, really the central goals for 2016 remain these two things, that we would connect and care well that we would be known as a group of people that are in relationship outside of Sunday, and that we really build a care ministry, both to what we're doing, mission along Aurora and all that, but here as a church, so that every time somebody has a baby, people in the church are there. Every time people are in the hospital, people in the church are there. We birth a, a care ministry called Deacons. We'll be talking a little bit about that. Those goals remain the same. But as I reflected on 1 Corinthians and as got ready to speak to you, and just with excitement, really, over the last week, we've been in Spokane and had a lot of time, just downtime, to be praying and reflecting, that I really got thinking about everything that we do as a church is born of relationship and mission. And so each of the things we do really kind of center out of those things, that we are, we are born of relationship and mission. That's how God has wired us. It's what the story of God always tells and that our hope for this community this year, that as we continue to grow, that we continue to get not just wider, but we go deeper. 
And when Paul writes the letter to, to the church in Corinth, this was a church that though they were growing, it was a church with a lot of people on the sidelines. There was a lot of people that were starting to kind of check out. This hasn't really been our story. We started five years ago in a community center less than a mile from here, about 85 people, and it was, it was a roll-up-your-sleeve experience where many of you participated in creating the church. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, if you've been here more than three years, and I'm not going to be checking calendars or anything, but if you're like, yeah, I've been here more than three years. Okay, three years, January 1, 2013. I've been here more than three years. I'd love you to raise your hand. You've been here more than three years. That's, that's staggering. Thank you for, for what you've done. There's a lot of people that built this church. It wasn't on a personality. It wasn't on the strength of a location. It was on a vision that the church would be a relationship, that we would be the church. It wasn't about a location. It wasn't about a Sunday service. It was about, about participation. And then along the way, we've had the great honor of a lot of people joining up. Again, January 1, 2013, three years ago. Raise your hand if you're new in the last couple of years. You raise it really high. It's a lot of new hands. It's really exciting. I mean, we did a, a joint worship service with a Baptist church some years ago, and at the end of the service, we were doing the benediction, and, and a baby cried. It was a baby in an arm. One baby cried. And the Baptist minister got up, a very good man, a friend of mine, he got up and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, it's been a very long time since this church has heard the sound of a baby crying. I'm like, man, I just, I'm so honored and humbled. You come to a service here like Christmas Eve, sometimes it's all we hear, babies crying, <laughs> right? Over 200 kids came on the 20th of December to hear what, about Jesus. It's phenomenal. Over 400 adults, again, biggest Sunday ever. But as we get wider, are we going deeper? Paul's got a message for us anchored out of this text in 1 Corinthians 12 that we would be about what Jesus is about, that we would be mindful of relationship and mission and discipleship born out of our three values that we launched with in 2010, that we would be a church that would connect and serve and make Jesus known. And this is the big idea. This is the, the, big, the big piece we're going to unpack in the moments ahead, that the church health matters most to God because the church is Christ's body on earth. It's God's means of making the invisible God visible. The invisible God visible is really the vision statement for all of our campuses, six locations worshiping right now, in Ballard and at Green Lake, in Kirkland, the Peter Kirk Community Center in West Seattle, in Northeast Seattle at Nathan Hale High School, and here at Shorewood High School. Amazing. Amazing what God's doing. He launched this five years ago. <laughs> he launched this church 100 years ago, making the invisible God visible through the church. So we're going to look at just kind of three points here. And these have been the three value statements of Bethany North for the last five years that we would connect and serve and make Jesus known. We make posters of this six months into our, uh, of our beginning at Bethany North. And about a year ago, we kind of threw all that out as a church staff. And we said, what are our values going to be? And after a series of months of discussion, we ended up at the same exact place. That we'd be a church that connects and serves and makes Jesus known. So let's look at the first point of outline, that we would be a church of relationship, that we would connect. And I'm going to start here in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4, going to verse 13. 
and your Bibles are open, our pen in our hand, because we're always looking for inspiration. We're always looking for things from the Bible that apply to our lives so God can continue to shape us through the revelation of his word. So I start here in, in verse 4, chapter 12. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And to another faith by the same Spirit. And to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles. And to another prophecy. And to another the distinguishing of spirits and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though there are many, are one body. So also is Christ. Finally, in verse 13, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, And we were all made to drink of one spirit. You see what Paul is doing here over and over and over again. We're always looking for repeating themes and and, and key ideas here. And this idea of one spirit, Paul is saying to the church in Corinth that though though you're pursuing different avenues of revelation, though the word is being proclaimed in different offerings of gifts, that God is doing one thing through you. And if you look at verse four in the original Greek, the varieties of gifts, the actual word for gifts, it comes from the word for grace, charis, charis. Charisma. In the original Greek, 12.4, there's a varieties of charisma. There is a varieties of gifts of grace. That's significant. Because grace is a gift that we didn't ask for, that we didn't deserve, and it's been begotten on us. We were, we've been saved while we were sinners. Because the story has always been one of, of grace. So here Paul is saying, in the way in which you've been created, there are gifts of grace. You don't earn it, but you are called to respond to it. We don't earn the things that we've been given in this life. Some of us are tall, some of us are short. Some of us are more charismatic, some of us are more detail-oriented. I, I don't know for, for others in the room that have, you know, kind of hit this age. If you're under the age of 30, maybe you're still in this, this like life stage of what will I become, Right? And then something happens, maybe it's 25 for people more mature for me. For me, it felt like late 30s, maybe 40, where I stopped thinking, what am I going to become? And I started thinking, this is who God made me to be. Paul's saying to the church, you have these gifts, however you've been wired, and they are gifts of grace. They're charis. You didn't earn them. And so stop wasting so much of your life trying to figure out what God might be giving you and instead dive into the gifts that you've been given in order to be about the one thing because we've been given the one thing. In chapter 4, verse 7 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, what do you have that you didn't receive? Because all of us, we're we're recipients on the road to Christ. We're, We're recipients What do we have that's not been given to us? It's a rhetorical question. Nothing. The gifts of our life, the gifts of community, the way that we've been wired, both for for positive and negative, we we don't get to re-engineer our DNA. And we we spend all of our life trying to figure out why do we do the things that we do. And Paul's saying here that this is how you've been wired. 
Stop wasting so much of your time trying to earn different gifts and instead see the way that God has built you as, as these charisma, these, these gifts of grace so that you can be about the body of Christ in order to help people connect because ultimately this is what it's about. Now in, in, in the story of Israel through, through uh, the wilderness, story of Exodus, it's a powerful metaphor, journey. It's a true, true story. We talk about it quite often. It's amazing, though. It's amazing in Exodus to, to see this thing. I'm going to read to you from Exodus 19, 1 through 6. So when God frees his people from, from the tyranny of, of, of Egypt and sets them free, if we had a map here, they end up at Mount Sinai. If you've been in Egypt, you know the direct road from Egypt to Jerusalem into the Holy Land is only a few hundred miles. It's actually quite short. And yet God takes them on a much longer journey to Mount Sinai before he gives them the law. He, he takes them to Mount Sinai and he has these moments of intimacy before he leads them to the promised land. He wasn't, he wasn't playing with them. But God wanted them to see as his people that it's, about the des- it's not about the destination. It's about the process of becoming his people. So this comes from Exodus 19, and this is amazing because following God is is not about shortcuts, it's about formation. Exodus 19, verses 1 through 6, see this, it's so cool. In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they set out from Rephidim, and they came to the wilderness of Sinai, and they camped in the wilderness. And there Israel camped in front of the mountain. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob... And tell the sons of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the sons of Israel." That's amazing. He's, you know, I bore you on eagle's wings. I did the first step. Now if you obey me, you'll be my people. And then, this is a history lesson for some, because we've, we've heard the story of Sinai, and we're like, well, isn't, isn't that when Moses went up on the mountain, he was given the law of God? It wasn't. No, God calls him, he calls Moses up, and he says, remember what I've done for you. I bore you on eagles' wings. I freed you. The gifts you have are always from me. But go down to the people and see if they'll obey. And if they will obey, then they'll be with me forever. So Moses goes down the mountain. He gathers the people. And he's like, are we, are we in or are we not? Are we going to be God's people or not? And they all say, yes. And they gathered again at the foot of the mountain. And then Moses went back up. And then starting in Exodus 20, God gives his people the law. What's the point? The point is this. It's relationship. It's always been about relationship. It's always been about God's gifts of grace, the charis, the the relationship that God has given us in order to understand him. And then our our responsibility is living into the relationship, of, of living into it. And it's amazing here. He says, you shall be to me a kingdom. I just, I love that. Because we understand so much of our faith. Last hundred years, it's all about me and Jesus, me and Jesus, my quiet time, you know, how's your walk, how's your walk, how's her walk? And, and for God's people, historically, it wasn't like that. They understood themselves to be a people, not a collection of persons. 
This is what the church was always meant to be, a kingdom and relational in its nature. This is what it is to be the body of Christ. John 14, 12, Jesus says, where two or more gather, doesn't, then I'll be there. Does it mean Jesus, the ghost of Jesus comes walking through the door? It just means that as you gather together, as you're in relationship, there's a spirit of Christ within you that you are able to see with other believers. We've had tastes of that in our life, right? Like, oh, I have a taste of that. There was a, the campfire experience, and you know, someone had a guitar, and I was with other believers, and there was just, it was more than a camp high. No, there was in, in the gathering, we experienced something of Christ. There's been moments of, of heartbreaking difficulty and honesty of building Bethany North, but there's been other moments of kingdom, of a people and not persons. And it's always surprising when it shows up, but there's these moments where we understand God more fully in relationship with one another. But it shouldn't surprise us, because as Paul's saying here in the letter of the Corinthians, this is what the body of Christ is. It's more than metaphor. This is reality, that God left us as a people, not to be building castles, but to be building the kingdom. And in relationship with one another, as we connect with one another, we understand that more. It's it's, it's awesome. This is the great command. Love God and love others. And it's, it's simple, but until we get this one right, it becomes our first priority. So what does it look like for us as a church this year to really, first of all, we take the great command seriously. We need to be people, men and women, boys and girls, old and young, we need to be people connecting to God. Uh, just a history lesson about Bethany. This year we'll celebrate 100 years. It's interesting. It's powerful. It's amazing. The number of churches as old as us that have grown like us is less than 1% in the country. It's unique. There's a lot of big churches. There's a lot of new churches. It's very unique that a church as old as Bethany would be a place that's experiencing the fruit of changed lives and new people coming and new locations and, and all, this, all this stuff. It's crazy. You think about Bethany in the Bible. What was Bethany? It's where Jesus was anointed. Is where Lazarus and his sisters, remember his sisters? Who were his sisters? Martha and Mary. Bethany was a place of friendship for Jesus. So even as we gather under this name of Bethany, which transcends Bethany North, transcends Scott and Richard and, and Pastor John, for 100 years, you'll gather under this name Bethany. It's a place of relationship. It's a place that takes the Bible serious. We would be friends of Jesus Christ. My hope for you this year is that you would connect with God in deep and powerful ways. What does that look like? I don't know where you're at. We have a baptism, February 3rd, Super Bowl Sunday. We'll have the hot tub on the patio. Maybe it's time you're ready to be baptized. Maybe it's, maybe it's time that you really get serious about studying the Word of God. I mean, we do like a gift exchange in our family. We give like one thing, less than $5, to different people. And this year I gave both to my staff and to my family a lighter and a candle, and a mason jar, and the instructions. For me, personally, if I don't spend time in the morning before the chaos of the day unfolds with a lighter, lighting a candle, in a mason jar, studying God's word, it won't happen. We've got to be God's people in his word. Anchor yourself in the old and the new. Don't just do the pick and flip. Get anchored in a letter and ask God to reveal scripture to you. So what it looks like this year for us to be connecting to God, 
or that we become people that take prayer more serious. I've, I've confessed to this a bunch of times, and I remain repentant about it, but God has been changing my heart. In the past, you know, I had this, this kind of notion about me, like, are we going to do something, or are we going to pray? Because I, I love to do something. And God's been breaking my proud spirit all year. I said, the biggest thing you can do is to pray. So we have a prayer ministry. At the end of each service, there's people that come down here, and quite often they stand there alone. They long to pray with you, for you. Maybe you're somebody that has a gift of prayer, and you want to grow that. There's a prayer chain that we just we, we share the needs of the church. You could join that. Help us learn more about the power of prayer as we build this place. We're also a place that takes Sundays serious. We, we want to be a church of more than Sundays, but it's never less than. And so all, all fall, we've had this, this kind, of, uh, kind of battle cry as the, as the ministers of the church that we would take worship seriously. When we gather as God's people, when we sing these songs, we read these words, we hear the word professed, we break the bread, we see children dedicated, that, that Sundays really matter. We hope this is a place where you will connect with God. And then connect with others. It's an and, the great command, to love God and love others. It's a vertical and horizontal. And this is one of, in the 10 years I've been at Bethany, this is one of Pastor Richard's teaching that's unique gift to him, that this horizontal and unique, the axis flows both ways. The church typically ends up way horizontal or, or way vertical. And at Bethany, for 100 years, we've been a place where we say it's both. Connect to God and connect to others. We're called to be the aroma of Christ. Paul would say this in his 2 Corinthians letter uh, 2, verse 14, 15, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And this is how Christ is displayed in the church. This is how Christ becomes the visible expression of the invisible God as, as we're in relationship together this is ephesians 3 paul writes this was his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of god should be named to should be known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms through the church we're called to participate in, in being the body of christ together in this way health becomes a product of participation We've been saying that for the last couple of years here, that participation equals transformation. That we see that the more people participate, they're, they're, they, they live into their gifts, they understand that all that God is doing in them are these careless gifts that they didn't earn, but they're participating. They're helping on Sundays. They're participating you know, in lives of others. They're joining a group. They're in relationship. And I, I mean, I've got the best seed in the house, but I gotta tell you, friends, I mean, from my seed, from my phone, the text messages that come in, the people that are bearing fruit of the Spirit in their lives are people investing in relationship with others. Not a cause and effect, not, not earning God's righteousness. It's, it's not like that. But I've just seen in the last five years, I've seen people that invest deeply in the lives of others. And this beautiful thing happens is their life is enriched by relationship. It, it shouldn't surprise us, but it's so different from our Seattle culture that it does surprise me. This is how God has made us, that we would understand his fullness in relationship. And so we have some, some just markers of things that we're about this year as we connect with others. The, the biggest is this connect group book that's in your hands. Over 20 groups 
God gave us a vision a year ago that we would actually have a system to be able to get people in relationship outside of Sundays. And the goal by the end of next year is over 40 groups in North King and South Snohomish County in neighborhoods, men, newlyweds, women, families, that people would open up this book and say, there's a place I can belong. And then they show up. And you know it if you've taken steps of intimacy with others at all. When you step out in relationship quite often, let's be honest, it's awkward. You get in the car afterwards, like, those people are pretty weird, right? All right, here's the thing. They were all saying it too because we are just a bunch at a a level of just very different people. But that in, in gathering together, I get to know your story. It doesn't happen instantaneous. But we start to invest in the lives of others as people invest in us. This is what it looks like for the church to be connecting. In March, we're going to have a relationship conference that we would really fill this room up. We'll be talking more about it, but you know, what does it look like for us to live into our singleness, into, into our married life, into raising kids, that for people to be able to come on a Saturday afternoon and just be resourced to, to grow into their relationships with one another. In August, once again, we'll do our fourth annual uh, camp out. It used to be called family camp. It's not called that anymore. It's camp out that we're going to go to a campground and spend a weekend together. A couple hundred people show up, invite you there. Uh, I'm always amazed when people show up without knowing a lot of folks, but that's how, that's how relationships are formed. There's going to be neighborhood barbecues in, in different specific neighborhoods in, in May, June, July, August, all around this rubric that we would connect with others as we connect with God, and that in both of these, God would be teaching us to connect well. Let's look at the second point of our outline. What does it look like to be on mission? The word we use here is serve. And Paul talks about, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14, he talks about what the body and the parts of the body look like. For the, verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it's not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, behold, I'm not an eye, I'm just part of the body, it's not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. And you could underline that or just take note of that because it's past tense. It's past tense. Paul's not saying God's waiting for you to become more of the body. He's saying this has already happened. God has placed the members, each one of them in the body as he desired. If they were all one member, verse 19, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. That's powerful, and that's very good news that feel very weak this morning. But when we're weak, we're strong. We learn that over and over again in Scripture. But in, in the whole body, Paul's saying he's making consolation. The members of the body who seem to be weaker are necessary. Verse 23, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members, verse 24, have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care one for another because if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. 
And I love that point that in verse 18, that God has placed each one where he has wanted. And that in, in serving one another, in the caring of one another, and taking the less honorable and making honor, that we, we actually understand more of God's fullness in our lives. That this is what it looks like to be building the kingdom instead of just focusing on our castles. That we become people that are able to serve. That we're understanding that in mission, we're actually presenting Christ. This is Philippians 2, verses 9 and 11. Paul says, a name above every name, it's Christ. And every knee shall bow. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, says Jesus, but I chose you. Christ is seen in healthy bodies. And we all have a part to play in this. This is what it looks like when the church has responded. Historically, though we can beat up on all the things that we've gotten wrong as a church. There's many places in 2,000 years where the church has expressed Christ and the world change. It happened in England with the abolition of slavery and child labor laws. It happened in Haiti where land was freed so farmers could once again grow crops. It started in the church. It happened in Rwanda, where people that hated each other and killing each other made to reconcile one another, where Bethany now partners through world concern. It, it's happening in the church, and the church is leading around, around the country, around the city. We just got news, like Anna said, about this, you know, having the permit in hand to build a new community center at Green Lake so that that location would continue to be a blessing with a food bank and a homeless shelter a place for kids to learn about Christ. It's good news. God is doing this work, and he's doing it here at Bethany North. And it's a place that we've understood in, in mission, we understand more of Christ's fullness in our life. I'm very thankful for that. We collected coats in the month of December. I expressed a need to you. Hey, church, there's people that need coats. And on Tuesday, December 22nd, we had a Christmas morning at the junction That's a normal Tuesday morning where we serve breakfast to methadone patients, people trying to free themselves from from heroin or from addiction, many homeless, many struggling. On the 22nd, we had a Christmas morning, 200 coats, 75 scarves, 50 walking sticks. People were given breakfast, and then they were given a, a Christmas gift bag with a card and meal cards that the church presented, a gift. They're looking at me like, for me? Yeah, for you. And then they were given this ticket, and then they went shopping, and volunteers built a coat rack from this church. 200 coats. Ah, it's beautiful. These people, men and women, trying on coats, and and the sense of pride and and practicality of having a new coat for the winter with this gift bag of meals and socks and hand warmers. In, In mission, we understand the fullness of what God is doing in us and through us. We understand that God's not done with us, yes. This is what it looks like for us to be the church. And it's powerful. And some, some, some years uh, have, have, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, it feels like there's this cynicism about the church because there's been so much ego and a power grab. But the reality of the church is that as we express more of Christ, we actually learn more about humility. And the smaller we become, we understand more of Christ's greatness. This is from this poem from Rainier Maria Rilke called From the Man Watching. Listen to this, and it's up behind me too. When we win, says Rilke, it's with small things. And the triumph itself makes us small. 
What is extraordinary and eternal does not want to be bent by us. I mean the angel who appeared to the wrestlers of the Old Testament. When the wrestlers' sinews grew long like metal strings, he felt them under his fingers like chords of deep music. Whoever was beaten by this angel, who often simply declined the fight, went away proud and strengthened and great from that harsh hand that needed him as if to change his shape. Winning does not tempt that man. This is how he grows by being defeated decisively by constantly greater things. Do you love that? That's what it looks like as we serve, as we understand mission. We understand we win when we become quite small. And as we we step into really practical ways where we become a blessing in this city. It's it's amazing. And just a couple of things to to guard ourselves with as we kind of get into it. And the first is disillusionment, that that people can kind of get disillusioned with the power of the church. But like Rilke says, as we kind of remember how small we are because of God, then we can remember the power of the gathered church. The next thing we guard ourselves with is self-importance. And we're going to be looking at this Better Body series for the next 10 weeks of healthy church life. What is this campus as part of six different churches after 100 years learned about self-importance? And so we're just part of a much larger thing. That God's been doing this surprising work in us and through us. And the last kind of caution is, you know, about mission is, is comparison. We've got to be cautioned against comparison. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, For we are not bold to compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're without understanding. And so we step out in service. We step out in what God has given us. We remember that the gifts of our lives are gifts of grace. And we, we need to stop comparing ourselves with the world around us. This is where social media, though, it can be a blessing, can be the death of our contentment. Stop comparing yourself. And remember that in mission, we become formed more like Christ. Oswald Chambers says this, my utmost for his highest. He says, the goal of faithfulness is not that we'll do work for God, but that he will be free to do his work through us. And so we, we serve We're launching this deacon ministry. Some of you that have been in the church for a while, be invited late January. We're we're hoping for 50 deacons, people to be men and women to care for the church, to serve the church well, and that we would continue to serve the city. On May 14th, we're doing an all-church service day for the first time. Bethany North in the last five years has done this alone, where we cancel services and we do a, a service day. This year, for the first time in 100 years, all six campuses will be serving together. We're looking at over 50 partnerships throughout King and Snohomish counties so that this church would be a blessing to the city on May 14th. That's powerful. Like anyone will tell you, this service isn't about one-time events. It's about relationships. So on Mondays, we continue at the junction to serve several hundred students. Show up and help with that. On Tuesdays, we serve breakfast to methadone patients at the junction. You can show up and help with that. Or to continue partnering in ways that God is opening up in your lives to your neighbors, in your workplace, you'd be people of understanding that we're formed in mission, serving around. And that we would continue to serve the world. Three partners in Rwanda and Uganda and Costa Rica, that we would continue that work. We want in the next year talk more about how we participate with our world partners. This is what we as a church are already doing and contributing. We want you to be more aware of that. 
Let's, and the last point is this, of our, looking at our three values, we connect and serve, lastly, that we would make Jesus known. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, ending up, Paul says, he, he kind of talks about different gifts, and he says there is a little bit of a hierarchy of gifts. The last verse of chapter 12, I will show you still a more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and knowledge, if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits, it profits me nothing. Paul teaches us here to desire the greater gift, that we would be about people of relationship and service, but ultimately be about Christ. That all of our actions are born in trying to, to transform Christ. And the church at times is vacillated between, you know, this great liberalism to that we would reflect culture and try to be relevant, but we're not really transforming anything. Or our churches have tried to take this road of righteousness and, and, and judgmentalism and trying to kind of shove people into this small box. And, and Jesus presents a third way, that we can be liberal to reflect Christ and we can be righteous to be shaped by him. It's what Jesus says in Mark 2.22, that nobody puts new wine in old wineskins. We're talking about new wineskins people reflecting Christ, and that changes the way we do relationship, the way we do mission, that all of it presents Christ, that personally, that our lives become more like Jesus in the year ahead, collectively, that we understand more of Christ and how we are expressing the mission of Bethany Community Church, connecting, serving, making Jesus known. You know, when God gave us the opportunity to do the junction in 2014 and 2015, you know, originally we were looking for a Sunday solution. We were like, we're tired of this. We're tired of setting up and tearing down and all this. Let's, let's get a building. And God showed us the junction, and he gave us this very specific knowledge. He says, if you take care of Monday through Saturday, I'll take care of Sundays. And now in 2016, God's given us a new mission, connect and care be about connecting and serving and making Jesus known that we would be a church of more than Sundays, people in relationship with one another, on mission together, understanding the fullness of this road that we walk. Because at the end of the day, the, the road ahead is really understanding the fullness of the homecoming of which we await, Christ being formed in us and through us. And this comes from Wendell Berry's poem, A Homecoming, that we'd be as people growing and changing and loving and serving Barry writes this, one faith is bondage, two are free. In the trust of old love, cultivation shows a dark, graceful wilderness at its heart. Wild in that wilderness, we roam the distances of our faith, safe beyond the bounds of what we know. Oh, love, open, show me my country, take me home. As we grow wider, this will be a year we grow deeper in relationship, in service, about Jesus Christ, the places we go, really born from this, this place of home, that we are recipients of these gifts of grace in our life, that our life will be lived from that mission. Will you bow your heads and pray with me now? Father God, thank you so much for moments of reflection. We thank you for the word of God that you've given us, Lord. And we pray that in this year that comes, that you continue to just open up pathways of relationship, really practical, tangible ways that we would know others and be known by others. 
Open up paths of mission, Lord, as we serve, that we would, we'd understand just how small we are. Encourage us to step out in love and faith in others. That it would be about you, Jesus. That you would continue to make us a church that continues to get bigger, but not just that, that we would become bolder that you would transform us, that in our own lives there would be a narrative being written of transformation. So make us like you, Jesus. Change us and shape us and work with us. Lord, we pause and reflect this morning for those that are sitting here with very open and hurting hearts. They don't want to talk about stuff to do and they don't feel capable of knowing anyone. Would you minister to them right now? Would you minister in their loneliness and their pain and their brokenness? And for many others of us here gathered, Lord, would you encourage us and draw us near that this would be a year of excellence and a year that you just continue to reveal all that you want us to be in order to reveal all who you are in this world. In your great and awesome name we pray, amen. As we close in worship this morning, we get the great opportunity to take communion and be reminded that all that we have is a gift of grace from the Lord. Instead of trying to figure out who we'll be someday, we can be at any life stage mindful of who we are today. We've been given a gift of freedom and grace and love and mercy from Jesus himself. And the night in which he betrayed, Jesus broke the bread and gave it to his friends. He said, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the, the, the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. There's a new thing I'm doing. Drink of it all of you for forgiveness of sins. And you think about sitting around that table that night, a bunch of men totally unaware of how their world was about to change dusty and dirty and confused and yet given a gift of relationship and given a call to serve and given the truth that it's all about the full revelation of God in Jesus Christ. And then they took communion for the first time. And for over 2,000 years, the church has been doing that, breaking bread and professing Christ and trying to continue to learn how to be more like him. I like to call our communion service forward. There's communion stations in the sides and down front. And after time of reflection, I'd encourage you, if you want to follow Jesus, to come forward and receive communion. And take a piece of bread or a gluten-free cracker and dip it in the juice. And know that this gift is offered freely for you. You've been invited to participate in this great road of adventure, of discipleship in your life. And we pray over our elements. Father God, you sent your son to live and die for us and ascend to heaven where he waits for us still as we break the bread, as we drink the juice, as we pause and we confess sin in our hearts, that we would come to this table, as scripture says, with, without, without uh, detriments to our faith. Lord Jesus, be Lord of us now. May we come and eat and drink and receive your gift into this great adventure you're calling us of following you in the year ahead. In your name we pray, amen.
table is open. Stations side, front, tear off, dip, eat, be ready to receive the gift of Christ.